Today's episode is sponsored by Newspapers.com, the largest online newspaper archive. Newspapers.com makes it easy to find your family's story with more than half a billion digitized newspaper pages from the 1690s to today. Search for obituaries, marriage announcements, birth announcements, photos, and more in papers from across the United States, the UK, Canada, and beyond, stretching back three generations. For listeners of this podcast, Newspapers.com is offering 20% off a Publisher Extra subscription. Just use the code FAMILYTREEMAGAZINE at checkout. That's code FAMILYTREEMAGAZINE for 20% off Publisher Extra. The Family Tree team wants to know what you think about this podcast. So please take a moment to complete our short survey. You can find it at FamilyTreeMagazine.com slash survey. We're looking forward to hearing from you. Welcome to the November 2022 episode of the Family Tree Magazine podcast, the podcast from America's number one genealogy magazine. I'm Lisa Louise Cook. In this episode, we're going to be talking about a lot of new tools. And first up, we will be talking with your DNA guide, Diane Southard, to explore how new DNA tools can help you build out your family tree. Then in our Family History Home segment, we will look at more new tools this time that help you tell your family's story. And in our Best Websites for Genealogy segment, we're going to dig into yet another tool for DNA. It's called DNA Painter. And then we will wrap things up at the editor's desk with Family Tree Magazine's e-learning producer, Amanda Epperson, who's going to tell us about some of the latest DNA webinars. As always, there's a lot to cover, so let's get to it. First up is Tree Talk. All right, well, let's kick off this episode with some tree talk and Family Tree Magazine social media editor, Rachel Christian, always has her pulse on what's trending in the world of genealogy. And she's here right now to tell us about it. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Lisa. Well, we just wrapped up Family History Month, which was in October, but I am sure that you've got some ideas for us to keep the ball rolling. What have you got? Definitely. Yeah, so just wrapped up Family History Month in October, and the holidays are right around the corner. So I just wanted to take a moment to talk about something that I feel like is a really worthwhile endeavor for genealogists, and that is to do a photo interview. So what got me thinking about this was uh, my dad has a good friend named John, who unfortunately passed away earlier this year, and John's kids made a beautiful video tribute to him. And it inspired my dad to dig out all these old photos of he and John throughout the years and go through them, tell stories about them, and create a little video of his own that he then sent to all of us. And I thought it was so cool because I had never seen some of these really old pictures of them before, and I'd never heard some of these stories that he told. And, you know, photos bring up details and memories, people and places that you wouldn't think to tell unless you were, you know, looking at them. So I feel like photo interviews are a great way to kind of tease out those elements of your family history that would go unnoticed. Um, So over on FamilyTreeMagazine.com, we have articles with how to set up a photo interview, 
questions to ask, how to interview family members about historic events. And I would encourage our listeners, you know, especially with the holidays coming up, if you can find a moment to go through some old photos with other family members and, you know, record their memories, it's really, really worthwhile endeavor and can yield some pretty, some pretty good stories. That is a great idea. And uh, we get together in the, during the holidays and get more extended family around. What better place to start to kind of rejuvenate our family history than by talking to our relatives? Great ideas as always. Thank you so much, Rachel. Thanks, Lisa. And I'll leave the links to the articles that I mentioned in the show notes. Is it possible to build family trees using only DNA? Your DNA guide, Diane Southard, is tackling this question in her new article. It's called Genetic Engineering, and it's in the November-December issue of Family Tree Magazine. And I'm happy to say that she's here with me today on the podcast to talk about it. Hi, Diane. Hi, Lisa. Thanks for having me. Hey, before we talk about some of these new tools that are out there that are going to maybe potentially help us build our family tree using our DNA, give us a quick review of some of the kinds of relationships that we see in our DNA matches and kind of what we need to keep in mind. Right. Yeah. It's so important to have a good foundation before we try to dive into what the future is going to bring to our trees for sure. So it's important to keep in mind that DNA relationships are measured in something we call a centimorgan. So fancy word just means it's like units of measure that we use to to decide what kind of relationship we have with someone else. So I like to say, the more you share, the more you care. (laughs) So the more (laughs) DNA you share with somebody, the, the closer your relationship should be, right? Unfortunately, it's just not that simple. So you can have like one number of shared centimorgans. So let's say you share 100 centimorgans with someone. Well, that 100 centimorgans doesn't translate into just one relationship. It can translate into lots of different relationships. And so it's really tricky to just look at the total amount of shared DNA and say, oh, well, that person must be my third cousin or fourth cousin or something, because there are always multiple possibilities for relationships. So it can get kind of tangled. Yeah, I imagine so. And we see new DNA tools coming out quite often, and some of them tout the idea that maybe they can help us detangle some of this. What are some of the new DNA tools coming out and can they actually help you just take the DNA itself and build out a family tree? Such a good question. And I think this is this is the holy grail of genetic genealogy, right? <laughs> this is what every company wants to offer you is this ability for you to just show up in their platform and for them to spit out a family tree for you. And at least right now, we are short of that goal, though I don't think it is a complete impossibility in the future. But for now, each of our companies are kind of trying to tackle this in their own way. So in the article, I go over different tools that are offered by different companies. But essentially, the tools that are the most successful are those that are bringing in not just genetic information, but also at least some level of genealogy information. So at 23andMe, they don't have any family trees. So the only genealogy information they have is your age. And I think a lot of times we don't think of that as a piece of genealogy, but it really is. It's, it's something else, something outside your DNA that you have to tell the system in order for the system to try to recognize your relationships with other people. So we go from something as simple as just 
a number, how old you are, to something a lot more complex that's offered at MyHeritage or Ancestry DNA. Both of those companies have very huge, robust family trees as part of their system. And so they're able to pull information from these family trees, combine it with some of this DNA information to kind of provide you a a hybrid tool experience. Interesting. So it sounds like we may not have to have our own tree built, but perhaps as long as somebody else has a tree built and they have DNA matching with us, then we can kind of work off of that. Although I imagine many people listening certainly have a, a good deal of their tree already built. Right, right. No, you've got the idea though, that ultimately if enough people in your genetic family, so people that you share DNA with, if enough of those people have a tree built, then the system can use the trees that are built to suggest or hint to you about your ancestral relationships. So it it is a a really powerful community-fueled effort, and it does honestly come down to how many people in your genetic family have taken a DNA test And that definitely influences the outcome of these tools, which can give you pretty interesting hints about the ancestors you may find in your tree. Very cool. So as we go through your article, tell folks, what are they going to learn? I I see that you've got it uh, broken down kind of by company. Uh, You've got a great chart here on estimating relationships. What kinds of things will they be able to, to do using your article? Well, so yeah, so we'll dive into each testing company. So 23andMe, Ancestry DNA, MyHeritage DNA, as well as Family Tree DNA. And I'll talk you through kind of where they're at in this progression of helping you build this genetic family tree, kind of with minimal input on your part. And so, yeah, definitely you want to investigate each one of those tools. But probably what your listeners will be most interested in is getting all the way to the very end of the article where I talk about what I feel like we can expect in the future. Because I think that's one of the top questions I get asked no matter where I go. Where is this headed, Diane? How are we going to manage this in the future? And really, one of the biggest questions is, do I even need to figure this out right now? Because, well if it's just going to get better or easier in the future, should I put forth the effort today? Right. Mm-hmm. So the answer I guess is I have no idea because I can't predict the future, unfortunately, but I can see that there are some technologies being developed um, that could expedite this process that we have of trying to, take our DNA information to help it at least kickstart, if not kind of fully build at least a small family tree for ourselves. And there's technology out there. Um, 23andMe is is building kind of an automatic family tree. Again, just, just based on your DNA and that age, that one little tiny piece of genealogy information, they're able to build a tree. And we should not minimize that. Even though the tree isn't always completely correct, it is still fascinating and amazing that they can really just build a tree based on DNA relationships and ages. But that's not quite enough, right? Because as so many people know, the age is not a good indication of relationship. If you're the youngest son of the youngest son of the youngest son, and you meet someone who's the oldest son of the oldest son of the oldest son, you could be very different ages and yet the same generation. And so age is not always really helpful. And so 
what Ancestry has started to build is a new kind of technology they call side view. And in the article, I go over what that side view technology is and its potential. But essentially, I think it has the potential to, on a large scale, reconstruct the DNA of our ancestors. Well, this is kind of sounding all kinds of sci-fi now, but really what it is, is the ability to kind of reach back in time and reassemble these pieces of DNA that have been passed down to descendants of an ancestor and use them to recreate the DNA of that ancestor. And that will allow us to do better genealogy back farther. So right now, when you're doing this genetic genealogy, you have this kind of hard stop at like your three times great grandparents. We really have a very, very hard time using DNA to get past that generation. But so many of us want to know our four times greats or our five times greats. And it's just out of reach right now with autosomal DNA. But I think this technology will bring that generation within reach. And that is really exciting. That sounds interesting. And I don't know anything about it, but I know when I watch, you know, shows and they're doing uh, crime, they talk about how you can take a little tiny, tiny smidgen of DNA and you can amplify it through a process to get enough to then be able to test. Is, is that going down the same kind of path? The idea of isolating, here's the third grade, and then amplifying them to somehow then be able to take you another three, four, five generations back. That is that kind of the direction you're talking I think you're thinking about it the right way. Um, the technology is really based on, on your genetic relatives. So again, the more people in your family that you have tested, the better able the system is to recreate the DNA of your ancestors. Mm -hmm. Because it's all about understanding that if this person is my second cousin and this other person is also my second cousin and the second cousin to this first person, then all of us share this ancestor and our DNA shared is this. And then we bring in a fifth person and a 10th person and a yeah. 20th person. And by crowdsourcing all of that and the system can see that all of us are descendants of this one person, that helps the system then reconstruct the DNA of that person based on the 10 or 20 or 40 of us. Wow. So the more volume you have, the easier it's going to be. So for people like me who have very small families, um, you know, my mom is an only child. My dad is one of two his dad was one of three, his dad was one, you know, like I, we have a pretty small family. It's going to be harder for my family to reconstruct the DNA of that ancestor because they just don't have very many descendants. So for those of you who have ancestors, like on my mom's mom's side, it's like there's 10 kids who had 13 kids who had 10. I mean, we are going to have no problem reconstructing the DNA of that ancestor. So a lot of it's going to be a bit unfair <laughs> based on like just the descendants that a person has, but certainly the more descendants they have, the easier it's going to be for us to figure out their genetic profile. And that's when the power really unlocks because then instead of testing you, you've tested them, which just puts everything in, in a closer range. Yeah. It's interesting. When I compare, I think about that in my mind as a parallel to genealogy, the more records you have, the more you can build things out. And you mentioned something earlier in your statement, you said something about it, automating. And I, I see that more and more just in genealogy in general, just the whole process is 
being essentially automated. I mean, somebody who's new to genealogy comes to a, an ancestor in my heritage and they just start getting those hints and pretty soon it seems like it's rolling all by itself. Is that kind of where you see the direction of the DNA going as well? Definitely. And I see what you mean as well. I mean, even with the the latest census, right? Even the automatic yes. indexing. and I mean, that was incredible. Incredible, right? And it, it's the same idea. It's the same idea where before there were just so few people who had DNA tested, it took you so much longer and such a, a longer process to even be able to hope to identify someone. But you can see even now, like as you take a DNA test, there's so many more people in these databases. It's so much easier to find a closer connection, which just makes that that process so much faster. And that's really where we're headed. And it's really about volume. And it's about technology that's connecting all of these, what used to be individual kind of just jointed pieces all together for us. Yeah. Well, a bit of a double-edged sword. We, we all like the the puzzle solving, don't we? You know, and, and having the hands-on, which I think there'll always be room for hands-on to make sure that all this automation is being done right. <laughs> yeah, that is one thing that I say also in the article is that um, don't sit on your sit on your heels and wait for the technology to answer all your questions. It never will. Right. It never will. And I think the the bigger push for me is that because we've already come so far, the answer to this question that you have could already be found. You just don't know where to look, or you haven't looked, or you haven't taken the time to understand the process of using your DNA and your family history. And if you did, you'd find your ancestor. I mean, this is happening all the time to my students, right? Because I teach courses and, you know, people have kind of dabbled a little bit. And then when they finally say, I'm fine, fine, I'm going to learn this stuff. I'm going to dive in. They do. And they find who they're looking for. That's the, the beauty of it is that your answer could already be there right now. And you're just sitting around waiting for someone to tell it to you when you could actually go find it. So... And that's the fun of it. And they can find you at yourdnaguide.com. Is that right? That's right. Awesome. Well, and they are going to find lots of interesting ideas and tools to be using in this genetic engineering article in the November, December issue of Family Tree Magazine. Diane Southern, thank you so much. It's always good to talk to you. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks for having me. And good luck, everybody out there. It's time to learn. Don't wait. In this family history home segment, we are taking a look at the best story building tools currently available at three of the biggest genealogy websites, Family Search, Ancestry, and MyHeritage. And Sunny Morton is here. Now, she's written a new article for the November-December 2022 issue of Family Tree Magazine. It's called Storytime, and she's here to talk more about it. Welcome back to the podcast, Sunny. Thank you, Lisa. I'm so happy to be here. What a fun topic. Oh, it really is. And we're seeing a really big increase in these story creation tools that you're talking about here in the article. And these are all online. Uh, why do you think that is? You know, I think that what's driving it is these genealogy websites realize that we are all just so hungry for our ancestor stories. We want to learn them, and we don't just want to learn them, we want to share them. We want to turn around and deliver them packaged in a nice, complete, fun form to our relatives. But the first obstacle we have is that sometimes we miss some of the stories, especially if we haven't carefully read between the lines and done some of the math and built timelines 
timelines and things, we might miss some really essential stories. And the other thing is that we don't really know sometimes how to package the stories to share with our relatives. And the sites know how to do that. And they are delivering us these tools to help us be able to do both. Capture the stories, share the stories. Yeah, they sure do. And and it makes sense because we have added so much of this information, the data, we've connected the records to our tree, we're building things out. So I guess it makes sense that, you know, that since that's where all the information is, that those platforms would be the ones to help us then take it to the next level. But of course, that can pose some challenges. Talk a little bit about are, are you concerned about if the story is not quite right? Well, sure. And sometimes we kick ourselves in the foot that way if we haven't done really good research. So let me just say this. The story building tools on our giant genealogy websites really are fed by the information we give it. So it can only spit us out stories that are as accurate and specific and reliable as the information we give it in the first place. So we want to make sure we have our best images and attached to the best quality photo digitized photos attached to our online profiles? Have we added all the records we found and made sure that the dates and the places are all nice and accurate and specific? And have we missed anything? So that we want to make sure that before we run some of these tools and use them to populate stories for us, that we've already done our research right and that we've put everything into the platform. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some of the platforms because you've mentioned kind of zeroed in on three of the biggest companies here and start off with Ancestry. What are they offering? What kinds of tools are we talking about? So I think that my favorite use of the story building on Ancestry is the life story. And this tool, if you think about going into one of your ancestors profiles, this tool organizes all the information from the facts section of your family tree to help you organize and then narrate the life story. So it, it it organizes everything into this nice little timeline show for you. It documents your life events, migration, military service, and it just kind of delivers them in this nice timeline sort of experience so that you can kind of see how things unfolded. And I like it because the visual is really nice. I can screenshot it if I want to and share it with somebody or paste it into my little family history photo book or whatever project I'm might be working on. But it also helps me as I look at the timeline it creates. I'm like, wow, she lost her parents right after she gave birth to her first child. Or three of those children died all the same year. I didn't really realize that. Because sometimes when you build your family trees, you don't make some of the connections between the times and when things are happening. And so this, I think the life story tool is really powerful in the way that it helps you do that. I agree. I really agree that when you can visualize data, and really we are visualizing it in the different formats they're giving them to us, we, we do. We spot stuff that we weren't seeing when it was in another format. So it becomes almost an analysis tool at the same time as it's a story tool. For sure. It does. And the nice thing, you know, I said before you get started, make sure everything's accurate. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to like scare you into thinking everything has to be perfect before you start using these tools. You can go ahead and, and 
run a tool and kind of look through it and you might notice things you can spot check as you go oh wait a minute I never put her death date in there or wait I thought she right I learned I've updated what I learned about them but I forgot to put it on my ancestry tree so after you see it in the life story view you can you can go in and edit things you can uh, work with it massage it for a little bit until it's finally the way you want it and then take your screenshots and share it with people Exactly. Uh, Family Search, certainly a free website that so many people are involved in. What are they offering? I know they've got lots of different kinds of tools. They do. And Family Search is especially aware of our newer researchers and they want to give them great discovery experiences. You know, our other sites do too, especially the, you know, the other ones that have DNA testing. They want to convert the DNA tester into a genealogist. So there are millions of DNA testers out there. And so they want to bring them into the family history fold. And then in Family Search attracts a lot of newer researchers and they want to make sure that you're discovering everything that would be meaningful for you to discover. And so it's the same sort of experience, This um, these collaborative person pages. So it's the ancestral profile that you'd find over it on your ancestry tree. But here on Family Search, instead of building your own private or publicly shared, but still your family tree, you're collaborating on one big giant family tree of the world. And so, you know, there are pros and cons to that. But one thing that's really great about collaborating on these person pages on Family Search is that you get the benefit of all the other pictures and discoveries that other people make. They all get put together. And then as you kind of weed through and make sure that you really do believe everything that's in there, you can go through their their discovery view that they have that's new. It's really great. You can look at a life summary that writes the script for you about their basic life story. There's a family timeline that's really neat. They have photos and memories section where you can go through all the things, all the the other photos and and any kinds of stories and things that other people have uploaded. So that's a powerful tool as well. I really enjoy that over there. Wonderful. And then you've also got MyHeritage. And boy, have they been busy. And not just stories, but pictures. Oh, yes, they absolutely do. They've taken our digital photo tools embedded in the genealogy website to a whole new generation, haven't they, Lisa? Mm -hmm. So I think one of the most fun things that we talk about over at MyHeritage, for sure, is their deep story tool. And we talk about that in the article. We go through that quite a bit. Um, This tool went absolutely viral when it launched because you can animate your ancestors' picture such that it talks. It it will talk it through uh, its own life story. So you can actually see your animated ancestor's face telling their own life story in a little video kind of narrative, which is really, really neat. Yeah, boy, who would have saw saw that coming, you know, 10, 20 years ago when everything started coming online? Right. Well, the article is terrific, and there's a lot to explore here. Sunny helps you kind of work through each of these tools individually. The article is called Storytime, and it's in the November-December issue of Family Tree Magazine. Always good to talk to you, my friend. Thank you so much. Thanks, Lisa. Would you like to be able to learn a little bit more about your DNA? DNAPainter.com is an award-winning website that can help you demystify your DNA results. And here to tell us more about it is genetic genealogist, 
Blaine Bettinger. Hi, Blaine. Hi, Lisa. How are you? I'm doing great. So happy to have you here. You know, a lot of us uh, who have gotten a little involved in DNA hear about DNA Painter, um, but maybe we're just not quite sure what we can do with it. What is DNA Painter? So really, DNA Painter is a, a really incredible website for genealogists working with their DNA results. There are several different aspects of the website, including uh, chromosome mapping, which is assigning segments of DNA to particular ancestors. Uh, There are some tools for uh, testing hypotheses, like what are the odds? And there's also the Shared Centimorgan Project, which allows you to um, hypothesize what a genealogical relationship to a match might be based on the amount of DNA you share with that match. Now, as I understand it, that's kind of how you got involved with DNA Painter or how DNA Painter evolved. Tell us a little bit about your background and um, your work with the Shared CM tool. Sure. So I have been uh, a genetic genealogist essentially for almost 20 years now. I started in 2003 with my first uh, DNA test. I've been a genealogist since uh, middle school. So I, I've been working in this da- DNA field for a long time. And once autosomal DNA testing came along, we discovered that there wasn't a lot of information about known ranges for various relationships. So for example, if I test myself and a first cousin, how much DNA would we share? What it might be considered a normal amount? What might be an abnormal amount? And so on. So I started in 2015 collecting data from test takers. For example, sets of first cousins. What's your relationship? How much DNA do you share? And once I started to collect enough of that data, I could get an idea about what the the range for various relationships might be. And Johnny Pearl, the incredible creator behind um, DNA Painter, asked if he could host a version of the Shared Centimorgan Project at the website. And I was thrilled to to see that. And so now there is a, 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 ver- a hosted version of the Shared Centimorgan Project with all of those ranges for about 40 different relationships at a DNA Painter. Well, that's really kind of the whole industry, isn't it? It's very collaborative. And it's amazing how it seems like different people have different pieces of the puzzle. When they get to dnapainter.com, tell us, is it free? How do they get involved? Do we need an account? It depends on what you want to do. So if you want to use the um, the Shared Centimorgan Project tool, there's no cost for that. That's free for anyone to use. And so you can just go to DNA Painter. Uh, you can either register for an account, a free account, or have no account and still be able to use the Shared Centimorgan uh, tool. Now, if you want to start chromosome mapping at DNA Painter, you do get one free map. Uh, that's the assignment of those segments to ancestors. But if you wanted to have maybe a couple maps, uh, then you would have to run into the having a subscription to the site, which I, uh, is well worth that the the money it takes to having a subscription there, just because it's so valuable in, in um, helping you organize your matches, work with your segment information, and and so on. Perfect. Okay, so you mentioned the chromosome mapping, uh, the shared Cinemorgan tool, and the what are the odds. So can you give us an example? What is a burning question that a genealogist might have, where the answer is, you need to go to DNA Painter to do that? Sure. So let's say, for example, you get a, a new match at testing company 
ABC, right? And that mat shares 400 centimorgans with you. The immediate question is, how is this person related to me? That's a lot of DNA to share with someone. But without a, a reference, a frame of reference, it, it, you don't really know, is it, could that be my eighth cousin? Is it my sibling? Is it you know, what, what, what are the possible relationships? So if you go to uh, DNA Painter in the Shared Centimorgan Project, you pop in 400 centimorgans. What that's going to do is it's going to give you the possible relationships that that could be. And so that's going to significantly narrow down your search for your genealogical relationship to this new DNA match that you have. Oh, yeah, that would be huge. So um, does this require much technical know-how? Do people have to feel like they're scientific in nature? Or can anybody do this who is even maybe new to using genetic genealogy? Absolutely. And I think one of the great things about DNA Painter and Johnny is that everything is designed to be user friendly. The website is incredibly easy to understand and interact with. Uh, the Shared Centimorgan Project, I, I'm of course biased, but I think it is also um, created in such a way to be easily understandable. The, the results of that search for 400 centimorgan relationships is going to give you a, an output that I think is easy to interpret and understand. Since you, you have been so involved in DNA Painter, I'm really, I love asking the question, what's your favorite tip? What do you recommend that people either not miss or make sure that they do while they're there? Right. So, you know, bookmarking the Shared Centimorgan Project, I think is, is really important. I, I think many genealogists use it on a daily basis. Again, I, I'm, I'm biased, but I, the value of the tool is that it's free and it, 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 it's so important to helping you understand the possible relationships for your DNA matches. Now, years from now, once you do this enough, you can start to remember with some of the ranges, you can kind of do it in your head. But until you get to that stage, bookmark that site and you can just refer to it quickly when you're working with your DNA results. That's a good idea. I love I just you can just drag that URL right on your web browser typically and have a, a bookmark ready to go. Exactly. Um, Blaine, you have been on the forefront of all of this genetic genealogy. And I know that you're the author of a book. Tell us the name of your book. And also, what do you think we can look forward to in the future of genetic genealogy? So the name of my book is The Family Tree Guide to DNA Testing and Genetic Genealogy um, in its uh, second edition. And so the future of genetic genealogy, I think, is is really hard to predict in some ways. Some of the tools we have now are, are tools we couldn't even have imagined several years ago. And what's fueling this, this growth uh, is the growth of the databases themselves. So for example, just in the past week or so, Ancestry came out with a new tool called SideView that allows the grouping of your matches into the two different uh, sides of your family, your, your paternal side and your maternal side. We couldn't have imagined a tool like that just a couple of years ago, but it's because of the size of the database. So for me, the, the future is twofold. Number one, it's development of these new tools by the testing companies, and it's also development of new tools by third parties, including the tools like the Shared Centimorgan Project, DNA Painter, and so on. And I think we're going to see more and more tools come out that allow us to work with our results in, in new and interesting ways. Uh, do you think there'll ever be a time where 
the tools, the machine learning, the DNA eventually can, it's got enough data accumulated between uh, people who have tested and people who do genealogy and people who do, do both, that it could actually automate this process. I do think there's a huge potential for automation. The one thing that I think is missing right now is that a lo- uh, most genetic genealogists, most genealogists, period, function as islands. And there isn't enough collaboration in a way that allows us to benefit from each other's work. And so I think there needs to be a way to start to tie together in a more collaborative way the work that we've done. For example, assigning segments of DNA to ancestors. If I figure out that this stretch of DNA came from Jane and John Doe, that's great, but that lives on my computer. If there were a way to share that with the world in an easy and collaborative way by clicking a couple of buttons, then once we have thousands of people doing that, we could have a a pretty incredible database and um, start to really work in a collaborative fashion. Collaboration certainly has been the key behind so much of what's uh, grown in genealogy. Blaine, thank you so much for all of your work in this area. It's fascinating to watch what you've been up to, and I'm going to keep my eyes on you into the future. Tell folks where they can visit you to learn more about you and what you have to offer. So the the two main places are thegeneticgenealogist.com, which is my blog. And if you're a Facebook user, we have Genetic Genealogy Tips and Techniques, which is a Facebook group, uh, of course, free to be a member of. And from beginner to expert, everybody, um, I think, has a really good time in that Facebook group. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Blaine. You too. Thank you so much. Well, it's time to wrap up this episode, and we're going to do that at the editor's desk. This month, Family Tree Magazine's e-learning producer, Amanda Epperson, is here. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Lisa. How are you today? Doing great. We've had a jam-packed episode, and uh, I thought we'd finish it off with talking about DNA. You know, it's still such a hot topic, and I think I see that you have some webinars coming up. Can you tell us about those? Yes, DNA is such a fascinating topic. Even to me, I love DNA. Um, so we have had recently two webinars, and if you weren't able to attend them live, you can still purchase them through our Family Tree Magazine store. So the first one was in September, Decoding Your Ethnicity Estimates at the major testing sites, which was presented by Shannon Combs Bennett, who is a recognized authority on DNA and teaches our DNA course. So it includes like a basic primer on how DNA tests determine your ethnicity to begin with, like how do they figure that out? And then we talked a little bit about why an expected ethnicity you thought you should have isn't there. And then maybe why when you weren't expecting is there, um, which is always fun. And then it was an overview of the ethnicity tools that are available for the major testing sites. So Ancestry, MyHeritage, Family Tree DNA, and 23andMe. So that was a really great hour to spend with Shannon. And in October, we had a webinar presented by Kelly Bergheimer titled Using Ancestry Matches and Throughlines to Break Through Some Brick Walls. So in this webinar, she showed us how to use the dots, the colored dots at Ancestry you can use in your DNA matches, and also the Leads method, which was developed by Dana Leads, which is another organization method. And then 
building on those two, she shows us how to figure out who the siblings are to make sure you match all your siblings in this method, and also how to transfer the through information from your through lines into an Excel spreadsheet so they're more easily seen and perhaps analyzed. And then she also shows us, introduces MyHeritageDNA auto clusters and how to combine that with through lines to build family groups. So it was a really fascinating presentation. And if you missed it or missed both of them, you have the ability to purchase those in the Family Tree Magazine online store. Oh, they both sound fascinating. They all do. Uh, We will have links in the show notes for this podcast episode to all those great video replays. Thank you so much, Amanda. Always great to talk to you. Thanks, Lisa. See you next time. I'm so glad you joined me for this November 2022 episode of the Family Tree Magazine podcast. It's the podcast from America's number one genealogy magazine. As always, we'll have links for you to everything we talked about in today's podcast episode. Those can be found at the show notes page, and you can find the show notes page at familytreemagazine.com slash podcast. And if you're listening to the podcast through one of your favorite podcasting apps, thank you so much. And please do us a big favor. Uh, If you're enjoying the show, leave a five-star review on the app. Your review helps others find the show, and we really appreciate that. Thanks again for joining me. I'm Lisa Louise Cook, and you can visit me at my website, genealogygems.com. And there you'll find links to my Genealogy Gems podcast and the Genealogy Gems YouTube channel. And don't forget, the Family Tree team wants to hear what you think about this podcast. Please take a moment to complete our short survey. You can find it at familytreemagazine.com slash survey. We so appreciate that you're listening to the show, and we look forward to hearing from you. Again, that's familytreemagazine.com slash survey. Until next time, have fun climbing your family tree.